Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible, one of the things so we're going to be, I'm going to be in Nehemiah chapter 2 a little bit, but really I'm going to be around because we're going to finish talking about uh, Nehemiah's characteristics or his character traits that should apply to all our lives. You know, last week uh, we talked about boldness in the Lord. Uh, we talked about uh, serving our fellow man. We talked about being humble. All traits that Nehemiah showed throughout Scripture in the book of Nehemiah that we should have in our lives, that we should be uh, having the same things in our life. Those types of character traits should be just part and parcel to who we are. So that's where we're going to pick back up. We're just going to look at three more characteristic traits that he, that Nehemiah had. And, you know, there's, I'll be honest with you, there's some more. I was thinking yesterday about, you know, uh, maybe there's more. Maybe we'll keep going. We'll see. I don't know what the Lord has for us just yet. But at that point, these apply, I believe, directly to us today. These are things that God has placed upon us, that he's placed in our lives as Christians to exhibit and honor him. Amen? And that our life's goal is to honor the Lord? Amen. Absolutely it is. So the first one we're going to look at is, is Nehemiah was ambitious for God. And, I'm, and we, we're ambitious for a lot of things in our lives. But are we ambitious for the things of God? I'll come back to that question just a little bit. You think about Nehemiah's whole plan. Everything that went on in the book of Nehemiah. Think about it. His whole idea was pretty ambitious. You know, he had a pretty good job. It was pretty cush for him. He was the king's cupbearer. And you may say, well, that's not a lot. He just tastes food for the king. Let me tell you, that was a really good job at that time. That was an awesome responsibility that he had in his life. He had great favor with the king. He had great favor with the people in serving the king in this capacity. So he left the confines of the king's, king, the king's palace to go out and build the wall. You see, he was ambitious for the things of God. We talked about he heard a couple of his buddies say they weren't doing well in Jerusalem. So here we pick it up in chapter 2, and I'm just going to show you just a little bit that talks about this of how ambitious that he was. And it said in verse 5 of chapter 2, And it said, I, I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tomb, that I may rebuild it. So he asked the king for permission to go. Now he follows that with asking the king for the, the papers. The next verse goes on, And the king said to me, and also the queen sitting beside him, how long will your journey be, and how will you return? So it pleased them, so it pleased the king to send me, and I set the time. Furthermore, I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. So he pressed him, number one, to get to go. Then he pressed him, number two, to get all the papers that he wouldn't have any trouble going. You would think that's, that's just a little bit. This is his, think about this, this is the king. He isn't asking just some regular person. Hey, he's asking the king who is also his boss. Hey, can I go do these things? And oh, by the way, since you said yes, 
will you give me all the necessary paperwork so I won't have any problem with anybody else to get anywhere? Well, you would think that would be plenty, but he didn't stop there. In the next verse, he says this to the king. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it please the king, let letters be given. And verse 8 says, And the letter to Aspal, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple from the city wall, for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Now think about it. He didn't just say, can I go? He said, will you Get it, set it up where I have no problems. No, by the way, will you tell the guy that runs the lumber mill? That's what he did. That's, that, that's what we have today. The guy that ran the forest, that was where the lumber was, right? That's where you had to go and get the lumber. He said, will you let him, will you give me a letter so he'll give me stuff, not only for the wall, for the gate, but hey, also for where I live. Now, I'd say, you know, he was pretty ambitious in the Lord. You know, he had a plan. And he was just going to keep pushing. I'm surprised he just didn't keep asking for more and more. I guess he knew where to draw the line. You know? Well, isn't that the way we should be? Hasn't God given us everything that we need and we just need to ask him for it? Isn't that what Nehemiah did to the king? Hey, I, I, got, I need to go and I need my papers so no one will stop me so the cops won't, so Ben won't pull me over. Ben won't pull me over and stop me when I'm going down to Hood County. When I'm driving through Parker County, Ben won't stop me, you know. And then he says, oh, by the way, hey, will you get all the stuff where you can build my house and the wall too? I mean, think about it. Would you have ever asked your parents that? I'd have stopped that I got to go. <laughs> if I got really brave, I'd say, hey, mother, could you ask dad if I could have some money? <laughs> or better yet, my little brother, he always had money. Barry, Barry. Will you loan me money to take Sherry out? So mother will pay you back. That's a true story, too. Barry can confirm it. I'm not joking about that. That's serious. It's a heart attack. That's when I didn't want to ask my parents for money to take Sherry out when I ran out of money because I was playing sports rather than working. I go to my little brother, who was like a little cash cow back in the day, you know, and uh, I would get money from him because I didn't want to ask my dad because, you know, I just didn't feel like it was going to be a good answer. So... So Barry would give me the money, and Sherry and I would go out on a date, and my mother would pay Barry back. <laughs> Do what? <laughs> I appreciate it. But that was the truth. I mean, he, he just kept pushing for it. You know, ambitious is this, having or showing a strong desire to succeed, to be zealous or committed to something. You know, if you look without Scripture, man, there are numerous, numerous examples in scripture of people that were ambitious for the things of God alright <coughs> man think about Moses now he was reluctantly ambitious but ambitious nonetheless I mean he had a whole group of people that the Lord had him take out to the desert to reach the promised land which he didn't get to go in but Joshua did he led the people that was a pretty ambitious plan number one just to get to go and then to lead the people Think about it. David, when he went and slew Goliath, I'm sure there was part of him that thought, what am I doing? What am I doing? That was a pretty ambitious plan because Goliath usually was the one doing the slaying. You know, you look at Paul throughout the uh, 
New Testament, all the epistles of Paul that he's written, and you look at his life all throughout Scripture, he was ambitious for the things of God. He was a religious zealot, was he not, before he became a Christian. You know, he was the ones that was wanting to murder the Christians. He was a religious zealot. He just changed his God. He took Jesus Christ as his Savior, and he changed, and he came ambitious for the things of God to the point of chains, to the point of being in prison. Yet at the same time, still writing letters to encourage others. You see, they set good examples for us to follow, to be ambitious. The, the, one, the, the story that I probably like the most uh, about, about this, being ambitious in the Lord, is I think of Mark chapter 2, and I'm not going to read it, but 1 through 12. A lot of you may know this complete story. Some of you may not. I'm, I'm going to kind of paraphrase it in this. It's about the man that was paralyzed. And Jesus was coming to town. So four of his buddies, uh, that says something right there. Four of his buddies, maybe they were family, it doesn't really say. But still, tells you a little bit about the character of that man. That four of his friends were willing to help him. So what did they do? They got his bed and they carried him. Now I don't know about y'all, but carrying a bed by itself isn't easy. And then you put someone on it. You know, this wasn't easy what they were doing. It took some effort, you know. So they took him to where Jesus was, as the story says. And, and, and if you know the story, you know what happens. They get there, and they're like, yeah, that, that house way up yonder. I, I think Jesus is in that house. Why is that? Because there was people there. You know, because where Jesus is, people want to be. Amen. That ought to say something about us, too, because if you're exhibiting Jesus in your life, that's where people should want to hang out with you. There was a whole lot of folks between them and the house. whole lot of folks. Now, most people would look at that and go, all right, well, sorry, Madison, we're going to have to haul you back home. Can't get there. Can't help you. We got you here, but can't get there. No, we know as the story goes, and I'm paraphrasing and telling this. I'm not reading it word for word, so don't get on me about that. Y'all know what they did. They went up on the roof. They cut a hole in the roof, and they sent their friend down with, to, to meet Jesus. And when he did, he healed him. So they didn't have to carry the bed home. They didn't have to carry it home because their friend walked home with them. You see, they were ambitious for God. They didn't take no for an answer. They didn't just say, oh, well, there's a big crowd, sorry. They did not. You see, they were ambitious for the things of God. They knew, they knew this, and it's the same thing we know today. A touch from Jesus will change your life forever. Whether this man need to be healed, we're all, we are all in need of spiritual healing today. In one form or fashion, we are all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Each and every one of us. But God made a way to have a relationship with, with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And those four buddies of him speaks to the character of that young man, but also speaks to their character. How many of us are willing to do that for our friends? We willing to go out and carry them into the church that somebody would tell them about Jesus? Are we willing to go out there to their house and tell them about Jesus? Do we love them enough to make them mad at us and tell them about Jesus? Are we going to be afraid to tell them about Jesus because they may get mad at us? 
I just tell them, hey, I love you enough to tell you this. I love you enough to ask you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because I do. I've had a couple of people ask me to do their funeral, and the first thing I ask them, do you know Christ is your Savior? Because I can't do your funeral tonight. I said, it'll kill me. You know? <coughs> Excuse me. Because they didn't go to church. They hadn't done their funeral yet. They're alive. I said, heck, y'all may outlive me. You know? But the truth is, they have asked me. So that, to me, was an open door for me to ambitious in God and ask them, do you know Christ is your Savior? Because I'll be honest with you, if I didn't know these are friends of mine, if I didn't know they knew the Lord, I'm not sure I could do their funeral because my heart would be broken. My heart would ache the whole time I was doing it. The whole time I would think about doing it and preparing for it, my heart would ache. You know? Uh, another friend, literally, Darwin called me and drove me there, and we talked to him about Christ, and I did his funeral about uh, two months later. But he's in that hospital, and he's in bad shape. And I, you know, from what I knew, he was a pretty much a heathen lifestyle because I lived it with him. And I asked him, do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? And he told me yes. He told me about his salvation experience. So when I did his funeral two months later, you know what? It was pretty, it was pretty easy to do. And when I did, his son came up to me after that funeral and looked at me and said, thank you for asking my dad that question. He said, because I've thought about that and I couldn't bring myself to ask it. I tell you today, be ambitious in the Lord. Ask that question of your loved one. Ask that question of your friend. Even, I don't care how uncomfortable that it might be. That, let me ask you this. Are you willing to be in an uncomfortable situation for someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ to know Jesus Christ? That's the question. And if you are, then ask it. Be ambitious in the Lord. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I ask you this. What are you seeking most? The things of God or the things of this world? Now, I'm look, there's nothing wrong with being ambitious in, the, in, in your job. Don't you want to be the best you can be? If there's a position above you, don't you want to work hard that you might get that position above you? Yes, absolutely you do. That's, that's some ambition. There's nothing wrong with that ambition. You know, do you, if, if you're playing sports, kids, you kids that are playing sports, don't you want to be the absolute best? If you're not starting, isn't your goal to be the starter? Absolutely it is. It should be. If, if there's 20 people in your class above you and you know you're smarter than them, shouldn't you be ambitious and working hard to get in front of them? Absolutely you should be. I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. It's when those things take precedence over the things of God. That's the problem. You see, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see, be ambitious in the name of the Lord. And yes, go after it. Be the best. I say it. employees ought to be the best. I mean, Christians ought to be the best employees out there because we're doing it as unto the Lord. And I don't care what you're doing, whether you're, uh, you're playing sports, you're in the bad, I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, here's the thing, parents, I'll tell you this, you, and you know this, you want the absolute best for your kid. And when they're a part of an activity, you want them to be good at it. Well, what's the number one most important activity that they do? Church. 
That's the, that's the truth. That's the number one important activity, and your life should be built around that. That's being ambitious for God. And then all those other things can come behind it. But if you're being ambitious for the things of this world as opposed to the things of God, then you've got it backwards. Then you've got it backwards. It's a scripture I read the other night on Wednesday night. 1 Peter 1.4 says this, To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. That's what Jesus Christ did for you. You have an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled. It will never fade away and it is reserved. Think about that. The day you know Jesus Christ, it is reserved for you in heaven. Do you not want the same for your friends and your family and your kids? Then, man, let's be... Let's be pushing them in the name of Jesus. Let's, let's encourage them in the name of the Lord. I, I tell you, it was, a, it was a very exciting day for me. We were taking the Lord's Supper. My grandson's with us. It's the first time he's ever taken it. That was very exciting to me to see him take it. I kind of peeked over there. That was exciting. Why? Because he came to know Christ as his Savior. That's the exciting part. Amen. I have, when we, 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 you know, when we do it where people come to us, there's, I've had three or four kids when we come, when they've come up, I know it's their first time, I know they just got saved. I was so excited to see those kids' faces, not that I'm not excited to see yours, all right? <laughs> but my point is this, I was so excited to give them their first uh, communion, to, to watch them participate in the Lord's Supper for the first time because I knew they had accepted Christ as their Savior. That was an exciting time that they have, that incorruptible. They had an incorruptible spot reserved for them in heaven because of what Jesus has done. Let's be ambitious in the things of God in our life. Amen? The next personality trait we're going to look at is perseverance. He had perseverance, Nehemiah did. Think about it for just a minute. He had to go to the king. We just talked about get permission, get the stuff, get there, see the people. Now, the people were downtrodden at the time. The people were hurting at the time. He had to sell them the plan. He had to give them the plan, you know. And then when he started the wall, Samballot and Tobiah, they went after him to the point where they invited him over to their house after they saw the wall was going to get built anyway. After four or five times they, they invited him, they weren't inviting him over to the house. They were inviting him over to kill him. <laughs> I read that in Scripture just, a, just a, a month or so back, if you'll remember it. You know, that plan was not always going to be enacted easily. You see, he had to persevere through it. And after they built the wall, and they started spiritually rebuilding the lives of people. They, they got out the word of God and they read it and they applied it to their life. And he went back to the king and we talked about what happened then. Because the cleansing of the, the temple. What happened? Man, sin kept back into the camp just that easy. You see, he had to persevere right through that. There are times in our life that we just have to be strong and persevere in the Lord. Man, because things are not always going to be easy for us. Matter of fact, John 16, 33 says the opposite. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. 
In Christ, this is Jesus speaking, in Christ you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Amen. Amen. You will have tribulation. There will be downtimes. Man, you better be able to persevere. I'm afraid it's a trait we've lost as a Christian community. Things get bad, a little heat in the kitchen, and out the door we go. Things don't go our way. Oh, Lord, where are you? Well, he's right there in the midst of it. Look what happened in Houston and on the coast. Look at it. Yes, it's an absolute mess, but at the same time, look what God has done through people. You know? I think too many times as Christians, it doesn't go our way. And we just like, well, chunk it in. This didn't work. Man, you've got to preserve. You've got to preserve. You've got to persevere. Excuse me. You've got to persevere through it. There's things in your life. How many of you are married in here? Very good. It's everyday Christmas. You don't have to answer that out loud. <coughs> I did see a few of you wives elbow your husbands in the side. You know, it, well, hey, I've been married 40 years. It's for Sherry, every day's been Christmas. For me, not so much. I kid you not, my best friend in this world. That's what he told me one night. He said, Daryl, you must be the easiest guy in the world to live with. I said, well, Bill, thank you. Why is that? He goes, he goes, Sherry must be really hard to live with. And I went, well, it's not really that hard, Bill. Why do you say that? He says, well, she looks really good. Look at you. You look horrible. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. This was the best man at our wedding. You know, hey, I appreciate the compliment, maybe. You know, for a few of y'all that know him, you know that you can hear him saying it. But in this world, you will have trouble. And if you've been married a while, you know what? There's times you're going to disagree with your spouse. But you work through it in the Lord. You persevere through it. Sherry and I have been married 40 years. Not every one of them has been perfect. And Bill was correct. I'm probably the harder person to live with the two. She's a lot nicer than I am. That's just a fact. And I admit that totally. But the truth is, the Lord has been good through it all. And through those tough times, we have persevered. We've hung on to the Lord. We've hung on to each other. Sometimes those tough times, we've been, we've, been, we've been tighter than ever through some of those tough times in our lives, you know, because what God has done. Man, that's, you want to you pass something along to your kid? Teach them that. Teach them that, hey, God can get you through anything, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how bleak it looks, no matter how bad it looks, that our God is with you, that our God will get you through whatever it is you're going through. Teach them that. And then walk with them. Walk with them through that. Walk through that fire with them. Colossians 1.11 says this, Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Long-suffering, that's another word for per perseverance. We do it with joy. Why? Because we are strengthened in his might. You see, we can't get through anything with God. All things are possible. We can get through anything with him. According to his might, according to his glorious power that lives within us, the Holy Spirit that lives within us, we can get to the other side of whatever we're walking through today. 
Hebrews 10, 36 says, For you need, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Man, you're going to need perseverance in this life because you will get kicked down. You will get stomped on a little bit. It's just the facts of life. If you ever played sports, think about it this way. You ever had your tail end kicked? If you played sports long enough, you got them kicked by somebody. Because everywhere you go, somebody's going to be a little better than you. That's just a fact of life. No matter what you do, there may be somebody a little better at it than you. That's just a fact of life. You better be able to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and get going again. I tell this story. I was a 145-pound sophomore. We were playing Alvareda. And this guard, he weighed about 220, and he was really good. And he flattened me five or six times. He kept pulling and flattening me five or six times. Really nice fella. He picked me up every time. <clears throat> but you know what? If he wouldn't have picked me up, I would have got up. That's just a fact. It's a good life lesson. When you fell off your horse as a kid, what would your dad tell you? Get back up on the horse. That's what he get back up on the horse. I fell off mine, he stomped on me, I was crying like a little baby, you know, I was about six or seven. What did my dad do? He's sitting on his horse, he never gets off. Get up, get on the horse, son. You know, he was teaching me to persevere. That I was going to get knocked down in life. That I was going to get beat up in life. But you know what? I had to get back up. I get back up in the name of Jesus Christ today, no matter what happens. I get back up in the name of Jesus Christ today, no matter how far down I might feel or how far down I might get. I get back up in the name of Jesus Christ today. And we should all get back up in the name of Jesus Christ today. Amen? Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Man, if you're doing good, just keep doing good. I don't care what the results are, whether you might not get the results that you're looking for, just keep doing what the Lord has for you. Just keep persevering. Keep going. Get up and keep going. Get up and keep going. Get up and keep going in the name of Jesus. Do not lose heart, for in due season we shall reap. I don't know when that season's going to be, but we're going to reap a harvest in the name of Jesus. I claim it today in the name of Jesus. We're going to reap a harvest of souls. Amen? And we don't even do anything, but we're just a servant. God is going to reap the harvest. Amen? Man, that's some good stuff right there. Think about it. There's going to be a harvest of souls in the name of Jesus Christ. That means lives are going to be changed. People are going to be changed. Families are going to be changed. Kids are going to be changed. Parents are going to be changed. Man, but we got to persevere through it sometimes. And God may feel like he's a million miles away, but he's right next to you. And whatever you're going through today, you can get through it in the name of Jesus. I tell you today, don't lose heart today. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. We all long to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. And if we're going to hear those words from Jesus Christ, then we're going to have to persevere on this earth. We're going to have to cling to him. We're going to have to walk with him in the toughest of days, no matter where we are in life. If God is for us, who can be against us? 
absolutely no one. The last thing we're going to look at today, we're going to look at one more. Another one that we can all learn from. That Nehemiah was faithful to God. You know, we talked about God was faithful to Nehemiah, and he was, and God is faithful to each and every one of us. But the question is, are you faithful to him? He's always faithful to you. But are you always faithful to him? You got to think about that. Luke 11, 28 says, but he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Luke 16, 10 through 12, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful to the unrighteous man, then will you commit your trust to true riches? And if you have not been faithful to what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Man, have you been faithful to what God has entrusted into your hands? Think about that for a minute. Have you been faithful to what God has entrusted into your hands? The first thing you have to answer is this. What has God entrusted you with? That's the first thing you have to think about. What has God entrusted you with in your life? I'll tell you, he's giving you the keys to the kingdom. Simone's giving you kindergartners, first and second graders. That's what he's giving you. Jennifer's giving you kids on top of kids on top of kids. That's what he's giving you. 87 of them Wednesday night, to be exact. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. 87 kids on the first night of Awana. He's entrusted us as a church family to minister God's grace to minister God's word to those kids. This church has been entrusted with 87 kids. That was just in Awana last Wednesday night. We've been entrusted with that. So when you go in those classrooms, Kayla, Sabrina, Raymond, when you go in those classrooms and there's more of you, more of you, I know Brandon, Shay, I could go on and on and on, Cindy, Jennifer, more and more. When you go in there, I don't want to leave anybody out, but you know who you are. Dennis, Amy, more and more. When you go in there, think about this. The Lord is entrusted you with those kids are you faithful to teach them the word of God plain and simple just that alone Amber's not in here I bet she's being faithful to what God has entrusted her in the toddler class right now she sure is yep she's probably got seven or eight of them little children <laughs> to just bless your little heart <laughs> well I know some of them in there some of them are like two Sherry's been in there. Look at that row right there. You children right there. That's what you are. You're not quite adults yet. But church, we've been entrusted to teach and train them in the ways of the Lord. You may have taught Sunday school. You may have been in one. You may be serving in the youth. You know what? You may have given money that led to a facility that can have them a room to teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not that we need a room to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? We don't need a room. We don't have to have anything. Matter of fact, we don't have enough for 87. But if God sends us 187, we'll make room. And if we have to shut the adult service down and bring them over here, we'll do it. 
Yeah, I don't, that's fine. Because we're going to need, hey, if we have that many, we're going to need all the adults that are in that service to help with those kids. <laughs> I'll guarantee it. But God has been faithful to send us those kids. That's not even counting the youth. If you teach or you have done it, God entrusted you to help raise those kids in the name of Jesus. Thank you for being faithful to that. Matthew 5.19 says this, Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You know, a little sin's not okay. To break a little rule, that, that little rule that don't count, that's okay. And if I'm doing it and teaching others to do it, and if I'm doing it and I'm leading, then I'm telling others it's okay and it's not. If you're teaching today, man, there's no place for sin in your life. That goes for all of us. But man, if you're not doing your job, then how are you going to expect your students to do theirs? You can't. I want us to be faithful to what God has given us. Each and every one of us. Whatever he's given you. Giving you kids and grandkids. Be faithful to tell them about Jesus. Be faithful to tell them that's the most important thing. Somebody asked me, Daryl, when you were a heathen, you were a heathen, but you, you started going to church and you changed your life, God changed your life, how, how, how did you just get in the habit of going to church? I said, it's easy. I knew when I left on Sunday, that was the first thing in my week. The next week, I knew I was going to church. I knew I was going to go Wednesday night. I knew I was going to go Sunday. I just knew it. And I set everything else up around it. All right, I didn't set the week up and then, oh, by the way, got to Saturday night about 9 o'clock and going, hey, honey, we going to church tomorrow? It didn't work that way. We knew when we were leaving that Sunday, we were coming back the next. You see, we said every, our life was around that because it was the most important thing. Wednesday, we're going to go to church. going to take our kids to church. they got classes for them. They're going to teach them Jesus. We're going to take them. We're going to go. We're going to learn. We're going to grow. We're going to do the same thing for church. We're going to go. We're going to learn. We're going to grow. That's what we're going to do. I set everything up around that to the point if my kids want to go somewhere on Saturday night and spend the night, nope, stay home. You can have anybody else over here. And we would take people to their church if they wanted us to. That was fine. We, we, it didn't matter to us where you went to church, just you were going. Often they just came with us. But even then we knew, hey, Saturday night, you're going to come home because we're going to church tomorrow. That's our family day. Well, our family goes to church. Too many times today we sit around and wait till Saturday night about 10 o'clock. We going to church tomorrow? When is that to decide? No, we decide that today. We're going to go. And we set everything up around it. Why? Because that's where God is. I know he's everywhere, but that's where they're going to teach and train. All of my family. No matter what I have. Madison, you got two kids. This morning they were in Sunday school. Absolutely. Ben, where was Benjamin this morning? Yeah, he was in Sunday school. I know he was. That's why I asked you. I know he was. Because that's where the family comes. That's where you take them. They're teaching and training him in Sunday school, and Amber's doing it now. Because it's important that we teach and train in the ways of the Lord. And I'm going to take my kids where that was. So that's a challenge for all of us. Know when you leave here today, you're coming back next Sunday. 
and set your whole week up around it. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commands. For this is man's all. And that man's there is mankind. That's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commands. Fear God and keep his commands. You see, that is being faithful to God. Those who are faithful in the little stuff will be faithful in the big, and those who aren't, aren't. Let's be faithful to what God has given each and every one of us in our lives. And he has given us much, more than we could ever deserve. I'll say this, for me in this church, God has been good to us in every way imaginable. Couldn't think of a better place to have raised my family than in this church. My kids were taught and trained in the ways of the Lord because y'all were faithful to be their teachers all the way through. And now you're faithful to teach my grandkids. And I'm not the only one that can say that. There's many in here that can say the same thing. That's when I say God is good. And all the time, amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, the character traits that, that Nehemiah exhibited in the name of the Lord. And I thank you that we can learn from those today and walk in the power of Jesus Christ knowing that people have done it before. That we can teach and train in your ways, O oh God. May we always be faithful to what you have for each of us as individuals. And may we be faithful as a church to what you have given us. We praise you today in the name of Jesus. Amen.